Hey, Justin. Hey, Cameron. How's it going? I'm a little tired. How about you? I'm all right. Welcome to Southern Hostility. I uh, have some hostility in me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, a lot has happened. No, nothing's happened. No trades, no draft, no <laughs> signings, zilch. Nothing. Right. Podcast over. Right. Goodbye. <laughs> the look on your face right now of like, shut up. <laughs> Not funny, bro. <clears throat> um... What would you like to talk about first? Where do we even start? Where do well, we let's, let's start. I want to get your thoughts because I've said my thoughts on this in so many different outlets and because I was there. And when the Subban trade went down, your, your honest thoughts here too because there's so many different takes that people have had on this and it really depends on where you stand. And some people don't like to do straight up periods. Some people don't like the return. Some people are a wait and see, which I'm kind of more of the wait and see on this to see what happens with some of these things. So what's your take on this whole Subban trade? Oh boy. <laughs> so my take is I don't have any problem with moving Subban out. I think there's a lot of reasons that can make sense. He's the most expensive defenseman with the expansion draft in Seattle coming up. You're eventually going to have to move somebody out anyway. You're strong at one place. You're weak on another. You've got to make moves in order to improve that such and such, whatever. <laughs> in my opinion... Subban was the only elite player on the Nashville Predators, in my opinion. All right. Okay. If you're going to trade arguably your best player, the most elite player, the quality of return is very important to me. Mm -hmm. At this point, you know, you flip Shea Weber into Subban. That's an, a step in the right direction. But now that turns Shea Weber into a couple draft picks, two, a couple second rounders, and a couple B-level prospects. And that's just not good enough. Shea Weber's like a historical player. P.K. Subban's a historical player with this team. Even if it was only for three seasons, they did a whole heck of a lot during those seasons. Um, you can move that cap space and get a much higher quality of return, in my opinion. Now, I do believe that's a tough sell because maybe Subban is just that looked down upon within the NHL GM circles. I just don't understand how that's possible. How, like, in, if I were GM Cameron Gumpy, GMCG. You could be on the video game. <laughs> um, <laughs> I might just walk away from the table. I might just say, you know what? The market for Subban right now is not what it should be. I'm walking away. I might do that. Okay, so let me, let me pose this question now. Sure. David Poyle obviously knew he had to clear some cap space. Sure. Okay, now let me finish the question because I'm going to preface it with a plenty of things that have come up. Okay. So David Poyle obviously had to clear some cap space in order to make moves for offense because they know that... Just given in the playoffs what happened, they need more offense, more offense production. Now, P.K. Subban can provide that from the blue line. When he's on, he's on, and he can provide that. Now, here's the thing, and I know George Matarangas wrote this article, which got plenty of attention <laughs> on the interwebs, but he made absolutely good points, is that if teams, because there are about four teams that are serious, but most of them wanted Nashville to retain some salary, that was the whole point of the trade was to dump salary. Were there not other deals in place that maybe it's 
tourists being moved or Benino and another package being moved to clear up cap space like that. What would you have rather seen happen if the deals were there? Would you want, which obvious, I think obviously the scenario was if you could keep Subban and still clear cap space and sign Matt Duchesne, that'd be like the perfect scenario, even if it meant losing Turris and Benino with two separate trades or something like that. Your thoughts? So it's funny because I was talking about uh, this earlier today and George chimed in. Trading $4 million would have given the Preds enough money to sign Duchesne and keeping Subban and giving the Preds an extra $3 million to work with instead of the five they currently have. So if you can clear $4 million which Benino, Turris, they're in that number, and you could even retain. Um, ship them out. Mm -hmm. You've still got a little bit of money to play with to sign your RFAs, Sissons and uh, Grimaldi. Mm -hmm. You could still have Subban and have Duchesne. Okay. It's possible. It, yeah. Now, there's a lot of factors that go into that. You have to have a dance partner for one of the, you know, whether it be Taurus or it be Benino. But, like I said, if the deal's not there, you got all summer to figure it out. Sure. I'm not convinced minus Subban plus Duchesne, the Nashville Predators are a better team. In my opinion... Even. In my opinion, they're not. It's even at best. Right. You know, at best, it's a wash. That's looking at the team right now. Yes. So now let me pose this, too, because playing devil's advocate, because I think most people know where I stand. If they've listened enough, I'm okay with it, but I'm a wait and see. Because here's the thing. Those two draft picks, okay, yes, that's not instant return. Yeah. And that's what you'd prefer is a winger coming back. Something like an instant return where it's <clears throat> value on value and not future value, right? Mm -hmm. You want instant return because P.K. Subban should have been able to bring back a top six winger, or at least a second line winger, middle six winger, something that you can plop right into the lineup and you're like, some offense, right? Now, the other part of that is Igor Afanasyev was the player that was picked with that second round pick that was acquired in the Subban trade, okay? A lot of people saying he could be the steal of the draft because that if he's just a little better at skating, he could have been a first-round pick. It's a fairly deep draft overall when you really think about it and looking at the players that he could have gone in the 20s instead of in the early 30s. So the thing that he was basically a late-round first-round pick, late first-round pick, with his body size, with what we saw in the Future Stars game, saw him out of camp, he could be an NHLer in two years if he works his way into the top six in three, four years and produces 30 goal seasons, does that make it in the future? So it's just thinking ahead, does that make it more worth it then? Yeah. We got plenty of ma magic beans to look at, and there's I, a lot I of know, ways. I know, I'm like, opposing that. Yeah, I mean, there's always a scenario where it works out for the best, and we may be in that scenario, but my best guess at this point is Andrew Shaw got dealt. Yeah. From my perspective, the return for Andrew Shaw is very similar for the return for P.K. Subban. Are those in any way similar players? No. <laughs> Not at all. But Shaw's cheaper. He is. Now look at what Toronto had to do to dump salary. They had to trade away their first-round pick. Sure. Just to dump Patrick Marlowe. Carolina fleeced them because they had to. That, that set the price right there. So the price for dumping salary because teams knew. They knew from as soon as the season ended, even P.K. Subban knew sure. that he was going to be on the block because of his cap hit. And it wasn't like, 
you can tell. It's not like they want to get rid of P.K. Subban. They're just kind of one of those things of, well, it's one player instead of having to try to trade three away or something like that. So I get it. And at least it's two, the Devils you only see twice a year. Unless you're going to see him in the final, which you're not going to see him in the final. Um, so that, that's the way I kind of look at it, too, which is, I know people are very frustrated. I guess I'm trying to take more of a, I want to say, team rah-rah approach because I don't want to do that. I want to take more of the relaxed, wait-and-see approach just to give it even a year. Because even the Weber-Suban trade, you know, instant, it was it's, it's hard to do. But when you think about what Suban brought, now I'm going to play on your side. You see what Suban brought was... Stanley Cup final run, two Central Division titles, and a President's Trophy. Was it all on him? No. But he obviously was a huge, huge contributor to that because he's an elite defenseman. So people, if you're hating on P.K. Subban, you can suck it. All right? Because he's an elite defenseman, and when he's on, he's on. He can contribute, and he's held under a harder microscope, a really small microscope, because Ryan Ellis or Roman Yossi will make the same exact mistake that P.K. Subban would, and P.K. Subban's the one getting all the hate for which is bullshit because he is an extremely, extremely talented player. I don't fucking care if you don't like what he does off the ice. He's an all-star elite defenseman. So deal with that bullshit that you have the pure hate just because he's making a brand for himself. He could be a dick off the ice. I don't care. We're talking about on-the-ice production, and he produced. If we're talking about issues off the ice, is P.K. Subban even in your top five? And no! No, because he's no. just building his brand. Yeah. He's, he's preparing himself for when he's done with hockey, what he can do, and building it to where his family, his future family, has money as well. By the way, you talked about how we're not going to see the Devils in the Stanley Cup final. I don't know. They're looking pretty good. They got Taylor Hall. They've got um, all the people that they had a bunch of first round draft picks, and they got PK Subban. I don't know, man. Like, the East is different. It is different. It's a different story out east. It now, is, but I still can't see the Devils. I can see the Devils making the playoffs. But, I mean, yes. Well, all you got to do is make the playoffs, Justin, and anything can happen. Yes, I get that. Yeah. But, I'm just saying, like, you're acting like it's a foregone conclusion. I'm not convinced. I think the Devils. Okay. I could see a scenario, especially. The Devils! If P.K. Subban goes back to the P.K. Subban we knew, not, not last year. Right, when he's healthy. Yeah. And going back to the initial conversation, until the sample size is large enough, I'm not going to say P.K. Subban is washed up. A lot of people oh. a lot of people talking about Nashville are saying that. Like, he's old, he's, like, no. his career's done. No. You're insane. It was one season, and even in that season, I doubt he was as bad as you're saying. And one season removed from being a Norris finalist. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> it was not long ago. Dude was amazing. Yeah. And you're being very short-sighted and emotional when you're just talking about one season completely discounting what a player is worth. Now, obviously, NHL GMs are doing the same thing. So, you know, I can't blame the fans necessarily because the top yeah. hockey minds. No, are, but I think that the, those top hockey minds, the general managers, knew the Predators had to dump it. So they're going to get good value. Yeah. That's why most of the deals included them holding on to salary as well. Yeah. So because they knew that Nashville had to get rid of them in order to make moves. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in their mindset, Nashville had to get rid of them. I'm not saying they, yeah. that was the only option, but yeah. in Nashville's mindset, that was the only option was to get rid of PK in, at that point. In my opinion, I feel like Nashville is still a respectable, quality team keeping PK Subban and moving forward without Duchesne. I think that's a perfectly respectable answer. 
Now, I think this option is perfectly respectable as well. Dealing Subban and everything like that, I just don't like the value you got in return. Like I said, Andrew Shaw, some more deal. I can't get past that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hate that dude. And, like, I don't think he's that great of a player, especially now. Like, how are... How is that going down like that? I, it doesn't Ryan, make sense to me. Okay, so let's look at the central then. I, mean, I know we did this with President Siders with Ryan Porth, but I want to get your opinion too. Sure. There are like three tiers in the central. And for me, the elite of the central, Dallas, Colorado, St. Louis, and Nashville. Yeah, well, Colorado picking up Kadri. It's huge. It's, it's huge. Um, Kadri's like 6.5 for the next three seasons. That's one hell of a deal. Mm-hmm. If Duchesne didn't work out, I could see Nashville being a partner in yeah. a deal like that. Maybe that could have been a return on a Subban deal. If you're retaining $3 million and you're getting a player like Kadri, I yeah. think that's a perfectly respectable deal. Well, the rich getting richer in the Central is what it really was. Yeah. Overall, aside from Nashville kind of making the swap. But, yeah. I mean, St. Louis got rich just by that they're Stanley Cup champions. But Dallas... Adding Pavelski, which was so funny in the Facebook group. He's old. He's washed up. He scored 38 freaking goals last year. Don't give me that bullshit. He would have been the leading goal scorer on the Nashville Predators. Yeah. From a dollar's perspective, like, he's overpaid, whatever, but... Should be two years. Yeah. Because three years, you might regret it in that third year. And that's something I was getting at before the we hit record, because we always (laughs) talk about the best stuff before we hit record. I know, I know. Devil signed uh, Wayne Simmons for one year. Five mil. Five mil. That's a lot of money. But I think the value of having such a short-term deal is really underrated in conversation. Like, oh, sure. If you've got the cap space, spend the money. Well, you have plenty like, of cap space. Yeah. If you've got the cap space like they do, pay him whatever he wants and get him for one year because that's a low risk, you know? Sure. If that's the, especially if you're just on a bidding war for one year and he's fine taking a one-year deal, okay. Yeah. Now you know what's you know what's there's a couple of funny things I want to bring up. So let's stay in the East. Jimmy Veazey. Ah! So <laughs> y'all remember when the Predators, David Poyle, somehow knowing that Veazey was not going to sign with the Predators, was able to trade Jimmy Veazey to Buffalo for a pick. He traded the rights to Veazey to Buffalo for a pick. Third round pick. A third round pick. A third round. That's fairly high when you think about it. When you know you're not even going to sign him. And then, VZ doesn't sign with Buffalo, goes to the Rangers, and then what do the Rangers do? They trade him back to Buffalo. <laughs> for a third-round <laughs> pick. third-round pick. David Poyle won. <laughs> I mean, that's where you think they, he really did win that, because he able to get something out of absolutely nothing, and then yeah. VZ gets shipped off, whereas now New York has Capo Caco. Um, they have the ability now to actually make the playoffs with the way they are set up. The Rangers are. They, they still have work to do, but they're a pl- they look like a playoff-ready team, at least, out of the East. But Jimmy Vesey, how hilarious. And now the other funny thing, Winnipeg has gotten so much worse mm-hmm. this offseason. They lose Truba, okay? They lose Tanev, who is, you know, eh, bottom six player. But they also got traded back Kevin Hayes. Um, then what else? Oh, Tyler Myers, gone. They don't have a deal for uh, Line yet. Yeah, they, Winnipeg has subtracted and they haven't replaced anything. A lot of teams, when they lose something, you replace it with another signing. Then there's nothing else out there, really. Yeah. I mean, Winnipeg, I don't think they're in the middle tier of the Central now. Yeah. Well, Winnipeg's style has always been to stand pat and not do very much. They, they've never big, been a big trade 
like team. They're not heavy on the trades. They made the deal for Stastny, and that was kind of a big deal. But other than that, they've never been involved in any major blockbuster deals. Yeah. Um, they're all about drafting and trusting the system. Yeah, well, that trust in the system is going to put them bottom yeah. two in the Central Division next season. Yeah. They're going to go from – can you imagine being a fan? You're this close. You think the window's open. The window's open. The window's open. And what happens? Smack! The window is shutting. All right, so I'm a, I'm a Winnipeg fan. Do you have Wi-Fi? It's dark. I have to read newspapers because there's no internet. Um, I have to listen to the radio on this thing called a Walkman. You also have to live in Winnipeg. Yeah, and I have to drive 45 minutes to the airport. With all that land. I don't understand. I don't understand it one bit. I don't don't get it. So now let's look at Dallas. Again, so Corey Perry. Mm-hmm. There were rumors around that Corey Perry and Nashville could be dancing a little bit. Corey Perry, one and a half million for yeah. one year, but it is it is bonus laden. So if he performs, he could get paid a lot. So there's opportunity for him coming off a bad injury, and obviously getting bought out and everything. All he has to do is contribute, say, 15 and 20 goals, and it's a win. Yeah, I 15 think, goals is a win for that. I think when we were in the locker room last night, I said all he has to do is be a replacement for Anton Roussel. Yeah. That's all he's got to do. Yeah, and he's stayed in front of the net. His skating isn't there anymore, but just be a pest out there, and instantly Dallas gets better. Plus, Dallas gets better by the sake of experience because they won a playoff series against Nashville, and you have Miro Heiskanen, who's just going to keep getting better and better. Holy crap, is he going to keep getting better? But you still have Klingberg. You obviously still have Ben, Sagan, Radulov. They're good. They're good. And Rupe, hence... Dallas is set up to be contending for the Central Division, obviously. Yeah. Top three, four in the entire West, mm-hmm. which is scary. Then, yeah, then Colorado, which we already mentioned, with them, they continue to get better and better. And they're one of those teams, too, builds off a playoff victory. <sighs> Central Division should be back next year. It was a rough year for the Central last season. Yeah. Next year, they're going to be the division to contend with. Yeah. <clears throat> but like I said, I don't feel like Nashville's improved all that much either. Like they haven't taken a step backwards by any means, right? If anything, not majorly at least. What you hope is here's for Nashville to improve. It's not necessarily in terms of player skill wise. It's they become average in the power play. That's instant improvement. Yeah, that's definitely that's, true. So in this, so the, the if you want to look at improvement, it's via staff and not players. Yeah, they improve by staffing and adding more for development. And adding more for a power play specialist of a coach. Mm-hmm. That's what the hope is. Now it's all on paper. You can't wait. You have to wait and see what the execution level is like for that. But if they become average on the power play, they're five and five. Five versus five is usually already there. And then you add Duchesne, which should make it better. A two line, actual two scoring lines. Yeah. But you get average on the power play. That should inst- that should instantly result in a few more wins. Definitely. Just because average. Yeah. If you improve by eight to nine percent, that is ridiculously large. <laughs> yeah. Well, another team that's taking a step backward, we're going back to the East, but uh, mm-hmm. Columbus. Like, it's cool. turning out worse that's than rough. they expected. That's rough. But they show with their general manager that they're willing to take a risk if they need to. Yeah, and I think the fact that they did what they did in the playoffs, I think it makes the league a little more interesting because hopefully teams are not as nervous about making big moves like they did. Um, mm-hmm. You know, go for it. And take it, you got to take advantage too of Seth Jones and Zacharinsky being top demon mm-hmm. like that, and you got to build. 
and whether it's through the draft more or through trying to acquire some more things, they got to do that. You can't just keep acquiring free upcoming free agents, then you're screwed. But hopefully that gave other guys time to develop a little bit more. Because Seth Jones is going to win at Norris in the, within the next five years. Yeah, he just, definitely. He's set for it. He is a fantastic defenseman. And let's see if Columbus can put things together there. Because remember that player poll that came out? There are a lot of players who just don't want to play for John Tortorella. But then there's a lot of players that do. Like, it's one of those either-or situations. There's no gray area. You either love how he coaches or you hate how he coaches. I think there's more in the side of hate. I think so, too. But then you get the ones that totally buy in. Yeah. And then they fully buy in. Well, I'm curious... What's the quality of player that buys in? Like, <laughs> you know. It's a di- whole different poll right I there. I feel like the type of player who gets uh, the buy-in, uh, John Tortorella gets the buy-in from, is like, you know, like, obviously he's out of the, mostly out of the league now, but um, <laughs> the, what's that guy's name? Uh, he was on the Bruins, former Blues captain. Oh, that type of player. Yes, like yes. the gritty type of player yes. is going to be who appeals to them most. Yes, David Backus. Backus, thank you. Yes, um, <laughs> and obviously David Backus type players are not the ones you want, you know. So not right, not anymore. Not anymore. You want them in the prime. Yeah. So if those are the type of players you're getting by and from, like, eh. <laughs> very fair. That, that's that's very fair. No, it's it was a very it was a very fun free agent day because there were a lot of things happening yeah. I, I liked it and then I think back to the Predators on that with the whole Duchesne thing it's interesting because they're pretty much done David Poyle said unless there's a trade he doesn't mention any more signings but yeah. they had Daniel Carr yeah and that is interesting because it, that kind of came out of nowhere too. it kind of came out of nowhere but the thing is he was the MVP for the AHL last year yeah. he had over 70 points in 50 some odd games yeah. like that's well over a point per game player now granted He's had a taste of the NHL in multiple cities, and he has been able to crack it. But you're just hoping that one time something just sticks yeah. with him because it shows that he has talents, just making sure it transforms from AHL to NHL. Is he smaller? or No, not really. Okay. I think it's just another one of those things where you can be an all-star in the AHL, but you just, it just has to click in the NHL. But the thing with that is David Poole expects him to compete for a roster spot. Like he expects him to be playing on the Predators lineup. And I think that might be Poyle also putting other guys on notice of you have to compete for your roster spot. There are other guys in this organization now, especially yeah. they've added all these prospects. There are people vying for spots, and there better be competition happening in camp and in preseason. That's what you want to see because it's been kind of set the past couple seasons. Yeah, it really has. And you know, you have the Tolvin in battle, but he hasn't shown through yet. But you add more and more guys, especially the bottom six. There should be competition for it. Yeah. And if um, for some reason he's not in the NHL lineup, it makes Milwaukee a little bit better. Oh, so much better. Yeah. Milwaukee is going to be Milwaukee should be darn good this year. They let a few guys walk, um, so it's for me because I've been following him almost his whole career. Justin Kirkland, they did not qualify him, so he is a free agent and will probably be in the AHL with another team. Um, but th- that's what's kind of sad there. But there are a lot of free agent college free agents that David Poyle signed at the end of the season that I think I've kind of forgotten about or some were injured and still weren't able to be in the prospect camp. So I'm curious to see what Milwaukee looks like next year. There's a lot of promise for them to do well, which gives the Predators more depth, which is important if you have another chicken noodle soup game. <laughs> God. Um, you know, <laughs> what a nightmare that one of those was. Things. And then you have the addition of Connor Ingram, who should be vying for the starting role in Milwaukee. 
as well. So th there's a lot of changes with Milwaukee. So from any Milwaukee Admirals fans listening, team's going to look really different. Yeah. It's going to look pretty darn different next year, but that's a good, I think that's a good thing and an exciting thing too. So this was my first year not going to rookie camp or any of the future star stuff. Like some how, burnout? Yeah, I just, yeah, basically. <laughs> um, how was that? Like, uh, what was your thoughts on that? I mean, I already mentioned before, but Igor Afanasyev, the second-round pick in the 2019 draft, yeah. he really was impressive. He's, he's good. He, he has a lot of the things there for him to be an NHL player. He scored. Uh, Philip Tomasino, the first-round pick, scored. Uh, Isaac Walter, who did not exist when the Preds tried to pick him in the sixth round, he scored two mm -hmm. in the Future Stars game. And it's not really about who scored, but it's how they looked out there. Tolvin looked better in the game setting than he did in just regular training camp stuff. Um, Dante Fraber obviously looked like the most, the, the best out there because he yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> and he should be. He's an NHL player. Yeah. So he looks so fluid in doing the drills and everything, and it's, it's really good. And prospect camp is just so much fun for me. I think I was able to catch up with 15 different prospects. I mean, that's, nice. that's what's really awesome to get to know these guys, too, because yeah. they're all new to the system. And the Predators really did double their prospect pool in one draft. Nice. They added eight players to the prospect pool. That's awesome. Which is, is pretty cool finally to get that. I did listen to all your little clips with all the prospects. Yeah. And your favorite question was, give us a, like, if you were going to give the fans a uh, scouting report on yourself, what would it be? That was your favorite question. <laughs> it is because what's interesting. It's a good question. It, for, for these guys, too, when they're getting better at it, you can tell they're getting better at it, is I want them to say what type of player they are because usually they're saying what they want to work on and be better at, too. Yeah. Like if they're saying, you know, I consider myself a sniper and everything, that no, that means it's at the front of their mind that they always want to make sure they're taking good shots. You know, if they say I play a full, full 200-foot game, that means they want to work on being a two-way forward. You know, all those little things I like getting the scouting reports that they give themselves because you know they read stuff, too. You know they read with all these draft guides put out there, but I want to see what they have to say about it. And that, that's important to me just because it's funny sometimes too because it throws them off. Most players, as we all know, hate talking about themselves, but you ask them about another player and yeah. boom, they're just going to go off on and they can do anything they it's want. It's interesting though because you do get some good answers out of that question. Yeah. Yeah. And if anything too, it's I know a lot of fans don't necessarily care about prospects, but if they listen to a little clip of it, then they have an idea. So yeah. Just to learn a little bit more about the player, it's all about educating a lot of fans out there just to get a better idea of what's coming up for the pipeline. Definitely. Um, you have anything else you want to talk about hockey-wise? <laughs> hockey-wise? No, I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing is that in, enjoy the offseason. And remember, oh, we talked about it before. Remember with trades, remember with free agent signings, it takes two to tango. All right? I already saw some folks complaining, well, if that's what Corey Perry signed for, why didn't the Preds sign him then? Yeah. Well, maybe he didn't want to. Yeah. It's, it's the simple thing of it takes two sides to have an agreement. Yeah. yeah. Well, Duchesne left money on the table. Yeah. Uh, Panarin left money on the table. They so didn't want to do. Yeah. It's not – that's what it takes to get that player to that team. Yeah. It's not necessarily that's, that's what, what it, it takes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, that's what frustrates me so much. People think, well, that's all it took. Well, maybe the team didn't want to trade with that team. But, for instance, look at Phil Kessel. How he was able to hose over the Penguins. <laughs> How his no, his no trade list included all the teams. Sorry, his, his trade two list, his improvement list, was only teams that he knew the Penguins would not deal with. Because they're probably in the division, like the Flyers, you know, things like that. And Arizona, because that's where he wanted to go. Real quick. He pulled the cards. 
we've got NHL Network on in the background. They've got uh-huh. Hartman on the fourth line for Minnesota. Oh yeah, I Fiala on the third. <laughs> Who made that? I don't know. That's horrible. Like I feel like Hartman, especially on the Wild, is better than a fourth line he player. Should be a third line player minimum. Yeah, at minimum, especially if we're going to pay him. Yeah, <laughs> and like honestly, like. Hartman kind of got a raw deal in each place he went. He did. Like, I feel like he's a be- Like, I'm curious if he's got some sort of locker room issue or something like that. Because I feel uh-huh. like he's a better player than a lot of people get credit for. I think so, for. too. Fiala on the third line. Now, Fiala yeah. is obviously a top six player in their team. Yeah. Like, crazy. that was just made for... Like, they put the uh, fancier names at the top. Yeah, fancy names. Well, what I mean is, like, oh, they're spending this much money on this player, so they're obviously a top six player. No, not on the Minnesota Wild. No, 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 no. Uh, But I am curious to see what the Predators do, because now the bottom six is just, like, all sorts of jumbled. Who knows? Because there's going to be so many players competing for multiple spots. I mean, Grimaldi obviously earned his keep with how he performed in the playoffs. Definitely. But he's still going to be battling for a spot. Yeah. He is, and people are going to be like, no, he's not. Yes, he is. Like, everyone is. I'm curious if... Some sort of yarn croak like deal comes out with uh, Grimaldi. Like, I oh. think he needs another year to prove it, but like a very small amount of money over a long period of time. Like that, like three years, three million. Yeah, something or, like, or three years, five million type of thing. I doubt he gets paid even that much. To be honest, with he should you. be getting paid at least a million. Well, yes. Yeah. Um. Oh, you mean, I was thinking AAV, you're thinking, like, overall. Oh, gotcha. yeah, like, three yeah. years, five million yeah. overall. Gotcha, yeah. That puts him just over a mil. That sounds perfect. And I, I would be okay with that. I'd still rather for Grimaldi. Not that, obviously, I, I, I love Rocco Grimaldi. And what yeah, definitely. I'd still rather be a two-year deal. Yeah. For flexibility purposes. Yeah, definitely. Um, and if he does well in that two-year deal, then you gravitate. Yeah, from and there. I'm not calling it a bridge deal because he's not a bridge player. Yeah. It's just that's the kind of thing you want to do to make sure they stay motivated, too. Yeah. And again, not to say he's not going to be motivated, but just to double-check and make sure you don't want to get stuck in a bad contract because yeah. it's not one of those ones you can really trade. Yeah. Um, Poyle's style, though, is sign him for as long as you can at a reasonable price yeah. and hope for the best. And then it was funny. He was asked because in Duchesne's contract – the last three years do have a modified no trade clause, and you could tell Poyle kind of gritted his teeth when he had to talk about. It. He's like, yeah, I wasn't too happy about that. Well, but that's what it took to make it work, and it's only a seven-team yeah. no list. So in terms of by then, there's going to be at minimum 32 teams in the league, and only seven of them he will not be traded to. Well, that's the interesting thing though, because Subban got traded to the Nashville Predators, and his. Trade clause wasn't in effect yet because right. if you're still in restricted free agency years, you can't have it. Right. So, and then the Predators don't have to stand by it, which I I don't understand how that's possible. Like, <laughs> it, coming from a union job, if <laughs> like, I'd be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's better than the NFL where contracts don't mean anything. Yeah, that I don't understand that either. I mean anything whatsoever. And like they're just banking dollars. It's all about guaranteed money, man. And the then NFL. the NCAA is banking dollars. Oh, yeah. Like football players get screwed. Yeah, don't, and don't even get me started on NCAA hockey yet. Yeah. We'll have to talk about that when we have more of a, more more of an idea of what's gonna go on with college hockey with the WCHA. Yeah. 
That's so. uh, yeah. We'll have yeah. to elaborate that uh, like on another time. So so Cameron, yes, we're both going to see Spider Man Far From Home. Yeah, uh, on opening night, July second. Mm-hmm. And there was a little tease at the end of Avengers re-release, and it wasn't, it was just a little clip from the movie to yeah, explain Yeah, it wasn't so much of anything, we didn't <laughs> learn anything. Yeah, we didn't learn anything from that part, but what are you hoping to gain from Spider-Man Far From Home? So, I want to know where they're going from here. How, like, what's the next big storyline? Because obviously... Like what are they setting up, basically? The Infinity Gauntlet stuff is done and over with, like, on to the next thing. Right. Um... You know what direction are they going to go in? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like a couple questions answered about you know what happened in between, um, like with between Endgame and this. Yeah, to get everything kind of back to normal. Well, no, like between Infinity War and Endgame, really, like you know what happened in that time frame. Interestingly um, enough, I think uh, Ned, Peter Parker's friend. I think he did not get snapped. I think he kept on going, <clears throat> aged five years, but just still looks the same. Interesting. Because <laughs> nerds dress like nerds forever. That's really so. You think yeah. he goes? Be- he just stays in school. I. Well, no. I think he graduated and became a teacher. Oh, now at the end of Endgame, there was wearing a backpack. Yeah. I'm going to say the teachers don't wear backpacks, but do you think he's a teacher at the school? I think it's possible. Okay. Like, maybe not like a full-blown teacher, already, but like an assistant well, or something, or he came, works there or I something. I thought they already came out and was said that all of the friends got dusted, like everybody there got dusted. I don't know. Did they? That's what, that's what I thought. I don't know. That's how they were able to keep it together, because that is a question of like a time jump and everything. Wait a yeah. second, all these kids? Well, he's got a girlfriend in some of the trailers also. Right. So, sure. like... Or, yeah, I'm curious about that. True, and I'm curious, too, because they keep teasing as well that MJ fully knows that he's Spider-Man. When does that happen in the movie? Yeah. When is it near the end? Because there's a clip as well, another teaser clip of of him taking her on a, on a ride, basically, and flying. She's like, I never want to do that again. So yeah. what? where at this point, because they obviously tease that, oh, you're Spider-Man? Yeah, isn't that, like, obvious? Yeah. Where does this happen in the movie? Things like that. Also, when does it come out that Mysterio is the absolute dick that he is? Yeah. I want, they better not be switching that. He's a villain. So here's another <laughs> here's another prediction. They talk about how... I think Tom Holland said there's a gut-wrenching moment. I think... Uh-oh. Magne- or Magneto. Magneto. Uh, Mysterio takes advantage of knowing how important Peter Parker's friends are to him in that gut-wrenching moment. And that's when Peter Parker finally, like, in, at least in the MCU, decides, I need to uh, keep my identity more on the down low. Okay. Because in every Spider-Man story, his identity is so important to yeah. him. And, like, making sure nobody knows who he is. But then in, like, Endgame, he's like, hi, I'm Peter Parker. Right. <laughs> like, oh, so, we're using our made-up name. <laughs> obviously, he hasn't reached that point where his identity right. is so important to him. I'd kind of like to see the MCU go back in that direction where sure. secret identities are super important because obviously it hasn't been. Right. They take their masks off every 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> now, what what I would like, too, is that I mean, we obviously have a tease of it, of Peter Parker coming out as the true nerd that he is. Yeah. An extremely smart, intelligent Peter yes. Parker. Who is extreme, like, who is... The reason why he would have the internship with Stark was because yeah. of how intelligent he is. Not just by building the Spider-Man stuff, but how intelligent he is in inventing and yeah. using new technology and everything as well. And the whole tease about the, are you saying there's multiverse? 
yeah. triggers that a little bit, the scientific nerd in him. That's what we need to see. I mean, Peter Parker, Spider-Man is extremely smart. There's reasons for all this character building together that he's extremely, extremely intelligent. Yeah. Um, to make sense for why he was working in the labs and stuff like that, too, as he gets older. Yeah. Unrelated to this movie, but how soon do you think until they start integrating X-Men characters into the MCU? That next phase? Yeah. I yeah, mean, like the first movie of the next phase, for sure. So the leaks already have, like, Black, the Black Widow movie's already filming, yet they uh -huh. haven't even announced it yet. They're trying to keep it so much under wraps. It's like, you can't keep it under wraps when people are, like, posting a picture of they're on set, or you have people, oh, look what's filming right next to us. It's really hard to, so that's that's going to happen. Yeah. But it seems like there's a bunch of other sequels as well. Plus, they have some new introductions, but I'm curious as what the new villain set is. But they have said, I think, too, they're going to try to avoid having a lot of the Avengers-type things towards all building up to one big thing and have multiple separate movies that are still connected but not fully connected. Interesting. Uh, which is because... You put so much pressure on it too. If you all try to, if you keep trying to lead it to another, the next Infinity War. Anyway. Yeah, you kind of have to go back to square one. Where right, you know, right. You now can't you can't go back to square yeah. one because you've already established so much. And you're just building on that. That is the history. Like that, in the MCU, Endgame, and Infinity War is history in the present day. Whatever movies follow. Yeah. So and it's kind of like you know, releasing all the steam. Now you're gonna have to build all that back up. Right. Um, we don't have a release for the next. Marvel movie, and so it's apparently going to be at least another. It'll be a calendar year, I'm assuming. Yeah. The next Marvel movie will probably be next summer, summer yeah. movie season. So like April, May, June, July, whatever. Um, because I'd assume we'd get we'd have a little bit of a break, and then yeah. like they can't go that long without making money. No. So <laughs> <laughs> this is I mean, the mouse we're talking about. Exactly. They're not going to go more than a calendar year, I don't think, without making some moolah. Yeah. But then it'll just boom right into it. I wouldn't be shocked if they make a couple adjustments after that Fox acquisition too. Oh, so, for like sure. the plan, you know, and it's like, oh, we're we're slated to make these movies, but here's a couple more here. Yeah, especially how to bring in the X Men, Fantastic Four. Yeah. A lot of those properties. Yeah. And Deadpool. <clears throat> what to do with him? Because yeah. they've said all along he will remain rated R, as he should be. Yeah. He should be. I mean, when you think about it, too, Endgame was some of the things that happened in there tested what a lot of the, what the mouse stands for. Like the yeah. beheading of Thanos. That's not very yeah. mousy. No. There's, so there are a few different things in there, too, in language. There was a lot more, a harsher language than you think overall yeah. in Endgame. Well, even mm -hmm. when Thor comes in and cuts his hand off here, I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> they're trying to, even though it's not real, they're trying to make it more real to the characters because in the comics, I mean, they had to tone down Rocket. Rocket has some pretty pretty bad lines yeah. in the comics. I'm going to kill you dead. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. Yeah, so it'd be, I'm, I'm very curious to see how they kind of tie it up and to see... Obviously, I'm so excited to see what Peter sees in Tony's glasses. Yeah. Well, so there is that theory going around where previously there has been a Tony Stark AI. Where right. right. Basically, Jarvis only with Tony Stark's mind. Or, and, or Friday. Yeah. Whichever one. Yeah. Um, I think that's possible because they can just build in sure. a closet a recording studio for Robert Downey Jr., um, in whatever home he wants in and multiple homes. Lines pretty quickly. Yeah, and like maybe every once in a while like a, you know, 3D projector version right. 
and it's not like it's time consuming necessarily for him to be part of it. And you're, not, you're not making it the focus. No. But my, more of my theory still is when he puts on the glasses, he sees the things that Mysterio was covering up. Yeah. That's my theory. I want AI Tony Stark. Well, That's I would I love want. AI Tony Stark. Yeah. Especially the end of the phase where you're like, oh, he's not fully gone. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll obviously see what happens. So we went to go see the re-release mm-hmm. with Christopher Martell, yep. uh, Fox Sports. Tennessee, and he was very upset about my bunch of crunch box. Yes, he was. It was hilarious. I <laughs> ate bunch of crunch too, but I finished it quickly. Um, you're just <laughs> like a tic tac. I was done by the end of the preview. Yes, you were. But for for me, since it had been over a month since I'd seen it, shut up, assholes. I know it was a ninth time that I saw the movie, but it'd been a month since I'd seen it, so I got emotionally attached again. Yeah. So I did get emotional again when when Peter and Tony hugged, when Tony passed those little things because it, it, I was not desensitized to it anymore so I'm curious to see how I react to Spider-Man with some of these scenes because they're obviously going to have to touch on it as a huge part of it did we record since the movie came out I don't think we have I thought we did did we I don't know I, I don't think remember. so yeah, we were watching the Stanley Cup playoffs okay yeah I thought so I'm not sure but anyways yeah. but I, that's all I got we'll see yeah. what else comes up this off season I don't know it's 10 o'clock man. I'm ready to go to bed okay Thanks for the pizza, Cameron. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) I'm Justin. I'm Cameron. Thanks for listening. listening.